Chapters twenty nine and thirty of the third volume by Fergus Hume. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Twenty nine. Carry. Having, as he considered, prepared the ground by acquainting Claude with the notabilities of the neighborhood, Tate next proceeded to secure an interview with Carry. This was by no means an easy matter, as either by accident or design, Carry eluded all the young men's attempts to interview him hitherto he had been accustomed to fish daily in the lax but now doubtless by direction of his master he forsook his customary sport for some considerable time his absence speedily aroused tate's suspicions hilliston has succeeded well said he after one of these futile attempts to see the old servant he has put jerringham on his guard paintin you mean observed claude looking up from his plate they were at breakfast when this conversation took place i thought you had determined in your own mind that he was jerringham no said claude colouring a little i have come round to your opinion in the matter if paynton were jerringham i don't think dennis bantry would be in his service ah remarked tate sarcastically is that the result of reflection or of love of love i don't understand you yes you do claude you are in love with jenny the last week has only deepened your first impressions i believe she likes you also and so i foresee a marriage which will rob me of my friend i am not so certain of that as you are said larcher after a pause miss paynton has given me no hint of her feelings and our acquaintance is yet young even if i did design to make her my wife i would have to gain her consent and that of her father judging from paynton's present attitude that consent would most probably be refused tate did not reply immediately but stared out of the window with an absent look in his eyes the remark changed the current of his ideas i wonder who peyton can be he said at length with some hesitation that he is connected with the case i am certain from the way in which he has profited by the warning of hilliston like yourself i have my doubts regarding his identity with jerringham because of dennis bantry who is he i must go to horriston to-morrow and find out and what am i to do in the meantime hunt out carry and learn the truth said tate coolly i think after all it will be best for you to see him alone i am a stranger and he won't speak before me but to you the son of his old master he may open his heart once he does that you may learn the truth i doubt it well there is a chance whatever tie binds dennis to paynton you must not forget that he is irish the irish are an impulsive and excitable race so it is just possible that his feelings may carry him away in your presence and he may tell you all we wish to know do you think he can solve the mystery yes he was in the house when jerringham came home with your mother he picked up the garnet pin and it may be can tell us to whom it belongs it may be the property of hilliston as is stated in the novel on the other hand it may belong to your father or to jerringham of one point i am sure the person who owned the pin killed your father carry or rather dennis bantry knows the owner and consequently the murderer if so why did he not denounce him there you puzzle me said tate rising to his feet that is one of the many mysteries of this case only dennis can explain and he may do so to you i shall stay at home this morning and prepare for my journey to horriston but you had better take your fishing-rod and go to your post 
the post alluded to was on the banks of the lax where for the past week the young men had patiently waited for the appearance of dennis on this morning claude found himself alone for the first time and sat down with a disconsolate air for he had little hope that dennis would make his appearance in this surmise he was wrong for scarcely had he been seated half an hour when the irishman came slowly along the opposite bank of the river he was a little old man grey as a badger with stooped shoulders and a cross-looking face without vouchsafing a look in claude's direction he prepared his fishing tackle and began industrially to whip the stream hardly knowing how to break the ice larcher silently continued his sport and the two divided by the water stood like statues on opposite banks after a time dennis who had been cunningly taking stock of claude and wondering why his letter had not produced the effect intended moved down to where the stream narrowed itself between large stones determined to invent some excuse for speaking larcher followed after a time and stepped out on to a boulder apparently to throw his line into a likely-looking pool being within reach he flung his line and in the next moment it was entangled in that of carrie's i'm sorry quite an accident said claude noting the wrath on carrie's face let me disentangle it he jumped into the brown water and before carrie could make any objection was across on the other side gripping the lines without a word the irishman let him separate the two lines and then busied himself with fixing a fly nettled at this determined silence claude spoke i wish to speak with you he said tapping the other on the shoulder is it to me you speak replied carrie with an admirable look of surprise and what has the like of you sir to say to me a great deal do you know who i am sure and i do sir the friend of mr tate you are no less but my name do you know it bad luck to this stream there's never a fish in it grumbled carrie with a convenient attack of deafness claude was in no wise angered that is very clever carrie he said but and how do you know my name is carrie are you surprised that i should know it i am that replied carrie sharply i never set eyes on you before oh yes you did twenty-five years ago begorra that's a lie anyhow muttered carrie under his breath with an uneasy wriggle it is not a lie and you know it my man said larcher firmly it is no use your pretending ignorance i know who you are devil a doubt of it carrie you called me yes because you are known by that name here but at horriston claude stopped he saw the hands of the old man grip the rod so tight that the knuckles whitened the name had produced the effect he intended so almost without a pause he continued and aimed another blow at carrie's imperturbability at horriston he resumed you were known as dennis bantry was i now said carrie prepared for the attack ah to think of it and where might horriston be sir you ought to know that dennis your honour will be after giving me the name of a friend of yours quite right rejoined claude seizing the opportunity you were nay you are a friend of mine i am the little lad you carried in your arms to whom you told stories and sang songs children forget a great deal but i have not forgotten you dennis in dogged silence the old man turned his head away intently bent on his sport but suddenly he raised the cuff of his coat and wiped away a betraying tear 
seeing that he had touched the man's sympathy claude followed up his advantage you are not going to deny me dennis are you he said entreatingly i am down here on an errand which you must guess if hilliston the curse of cromwell on him said carey under his breath if hilliston told you to keep silent said claude affecting to take no notice of the interjection which confirmed his suspicions i the son of your dead master wants you to speak i wish to find out who killed my father i wish to punish him for you know his name carey turned furiously on the young man but it seemed to claude that his anger was fain to hide a deeper emotion it is a dirty informer you'd have me be he cried with a stamp of his foot to betray him whose bread i eat i'll tell you nothing for it's that much i know dennis i'm not dennis it's carey i am i know nothing of horriston or of you sir go away with you young gentleman and don't be after disgracing an old servant to play the spy and cheat then still breathing fury he rushed away but paused some distance off to raise his hands to the sky with an appealing gesture the impulsive irish nature had broken through diplomatic reserve and fearful of saying too much carey saved himself by flight claude guessed this and forbode to follow him i have broken the ice at all events he said to himself when returning to the manor to tell tate the next time i may be fortunate enough to force the truth out of him he knows it i am certain he hates hilliston and loves me i can easily guess with whom he sympathizes in spite of his master he is dennis sure enough but who is Paynton? it was impossible to say thirty mrs bezel again on returning home claude found that tate contrary to his expressed intention had gone out dormer who was packing a portmanteau for the horriston journey could not inform larcher when his master would be back but ventured an opinion that he would certainly return to luncheon meanwhile he handed to claude some letters which had just arrived and with these the young man managed to pass a fairly uncomfortable hour uncomfortable because one of the letters was from mrs bezel and proved of so puzzling a character that larcher was in a fever of impatience to discuss it with tate the little man returned to luncheon as was surmised by dormer and was met in the hall by claude with the open letter of mrs bezel in his hand my dear fellow why did you go out said larcher complainingly i have so much to tell you i have seen carrie and now here is a letter from mrs bezel what is she on the stage again said tate eagerly let me see the letter not yet replied claude putting it promptly behind his back you must first tell me why you left the house when you ought to be packing up for horriston tate shrugged his shoulders bowed to the inevitable and went into the dining-room here he sat at the table and began to carve some cold beef thereby throwing claude into a rage you cold-blooded little monster he cried tapping on the table will you satisfy my curiosity why should i said tate grinning you won't satisfy mine then read the letter retorted claude throwing it across the table to his surprise tate placed it on one side not yet he said resuming his carving we must have a talk first have some beef i don't want beef but information you shall have both said tate calmly do you prefer beer or claret beer replied larcher resignedly falling in with the tricksy humour of his friend 
tate was a man with whom it was impossible to quarrel dormer fill larcher's glass put the claret jug beside me and leave the room we will wait on ourselves as stolid as a wooden image dormer obeyed these instructions and wheeled out of the room tate ate a few mouthfuls of beef drank a glass of claret and prepared to talk his first remark was a bombshell i have seen paintin said he slowly the deuce you have cried claude in surprise and how did you manage to take his castle by storm easily enough by the help of a lie and a little strategy i went out to see if you were at your post and caught sight of carey crossing the fields as i knew jenny would be at the lintons for she goes there to see the old lady every morning i guessed that the rose cottage would be undefended so back i ran to the house picked up a book which i had promised to lend the young lady and went to pay my visit how did you get inside the gate it is generally locked it wasn't on this occasion replied tate complacently i opened it and walked in to find old paynton strolling in the garden catching sight of me he turned back to re-enter the house but luckily i was between him and the door so we met face to face what kind of a man is he to look at oh a fine-looking old chap with white hair and beard a skull-cap and a dressing-gown quite the get-up of a necromancer did he speak to you asked claude having considered this description he asked me politely what my business was whereupon i presented the book and mentioned that it was for his daughter he replied that she was at the lintons and would be back soon when he would give her the book himself then he asked me to excuse him and bowed me out of the gate but added tate with emphasis not before i had mentioned that mr claude larcher was staying with me did my name produce any effect rather paynton changed colour and mumbled something unintelligible then he turned his back and walked quickly into the house leaving me to close the gate myself depend upon it he knows something claude but his name isn't mentioned in connection with the case of course not paynton is a faint one and as i have said before there are no doubt actors in the tragedy of whom we know nothing there is one of that sort mentioned here said larcher picking up mrs bezel's letter read that tate and see what you make of it it proved to be a short note hastily written and ran as follows my dear claude if you are still in doubt as to who murdered your father ask mr hilliston to tell you about louisa sinclair who lived at horriston twenty-five years ago she knows your affectionate mother margaret bezel louisa sinclair repeated tate slowly having mastered the contents of this letter no i never heard of her it is strange that hilliston has never mentioned her name no doubt he had good reasons for not doing so said claude bitterly you need not look so astonished tate i have long ago come round to your opinion of my old guardian his intimacy with paynton and the effect of his visit on carey would convince me not to speak of that anonymous letter ah carey refused to speak he would not say a word and moreover stated that he was not dennis bantry that he had never heard of horriston in fact he acted his part excellently well till the last then he broke down and afraid of letting the cat out of the bag he ran away exactly what his master did said tate thoughtfully depend upon it claude we will learn the truth from one of those two if you think so why go to horriston 
because i want to learn the real name of Paynton, and moreover here is an additional reason i must find out louisa sinclair there is no mention of her in the case quite true and there is no mention of Paynton, but for all that he knows about it oh you may be sure there are circumstances to be discovered at horriston which never came to light at the trial my mother is anxious for the mystery to be cleared up so i see and i am glad of it said tate with an affectation of carelessness i thought she was too ill to take an interest in the matter am i to ask hilliston about this woman said claude looking up in some doubt no replied his friend after a few moments deliberation our success in this depends on keeping hilliston in the dark concerning our movements if we tell him too much he may thwart us as he has done already in this Peyton business say nothing about louisa sinclair or about my visit to horriston tell him i have gone to town and let him figure out the reason for himself by the way when do you see him on friday evening both he and his wife are coming to dine and stop all night at the vicarage you may be sure hilliston will put me through a thorough cross-examination regarding your absence refer him to mr linton said tate coolly i am writing to that gentleman telling him i am unexpectedly called to town on particular business what that business is hilliston will be anxious to know i don't think he'll enjoy his evening at all a guilty conscience mars all pleasure when do you leave by the four-twenty train this afternoon i'll write to you about my discoveries as soon as i find out anything worth scribbling about you'll find nothing said claude dolefully after five-and-twenty years i'll find out who louisa sinclair is and then astonish hilliston with the extent of my information regarding peyton i am not so certain that discovery rests between you and dennis bantry i'll do my best but i am doubtful replied claude and so the conversation terminated for the time being it left a lasting impression on the two who took part in it tate duly took his departure with dormer leaving claude in possession of the house as he leaned out of the window of the smoking carriage he said a last word to his friend don't tell hilliston about my going to horriston he said significantly but if you get a chance inform his wife of the fact why i'll tell you that when i come back said tate as the train moved slowly off give her the information and observe the effect it will astonish you but tate counted without his host he was ignorant of mrs hilliston's powers of self-control chapters twenty nine and thirty